At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. A warmer from the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Soups with myself, Greg Oops Spears. And now a part of the Beeson family podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. We're just going to be doing two segments today. Kept it guest free. We've got a lot of my friends that are just traveling back from the holiday weekend, traveling back from visiting friends, family, what have you, for Christmas and other festivities. So here in segment number one, just going to be sharing with you guys some of the trends that we've been seeing in terms of the most and least profitable college basketball teams thus far. I typically go through the season-long trends daily, so I'm just going to keep this more or less to the top teams and the bottom teams in terms of against the spread record. And I know I've had a couple questions about features. I'll just share with you why I don't necessarily dive into them and perhaps a little bit of advice if you are looking at them. And then we've got five games on the college basketball betting board for this Tuesday. So we're going to be hitting some bank shots in segment number two, giving you guys picks and analysis on all five of those, including my DK Nation pick. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I know I've had a few of you guys asking about perhaps some futures if I've fired in on any of them. And for those that have known me throughout the years, it's been a concept for myself. I just do not have any futures tickets out at all because the way that I take a look at college basketball is among all sports out there, it's the toughest ones in terms of futures. If you're a hedge better, it's honestly really good. And if you're looking to dive in on futures right now, that'd be the only way that I would be able to take a look at it. Like now Gonzaga has started out the year in a lot of places right around 10 to 1 in terms of their futures odds. They're now 20 to 1. You know that they're going to do a rock solid job in WCC play. You think that they make the second weekend of the tournament. Now all of a sudden you've got some hedging value there. If you're able to spot a team down the board like you think that Xavier at 80 to 1 is going to be able to make the second week of the NCAA tournament. Perhaps you see Iowa State at 120 to 1 being able to make a little bit of a bonsai charge, something like that. Have a long shot ticket out there, and if they make the second week of the tournament, from there you can get into a hedge game. That is something that I don't think is the world's worst strategy. I know that I have some friends that have been very successful in doing that. I just really don't do a lot of futures because, for one, we've noticed this throughout the years in terms of the NCAA tournament. Right around like 75% of the champions over the last 20 years, they have been from the one seed line or the two seed line, and it's all based on the drop. 
Like for those of you guys that listened to this podcast last year, my bracket special, I picked Kansas to be able to win it all in my bracket. They turned out to do so. So a little bit of a pat on the back for myself, but at no point last year did I have Kansas as my number one team in terms of my top 25. They were never really like outside of, I would say the top eight. I think that there might've been some periods where they were just outside the top five. So they were always a rock solid team, but they were never that team. I took a look at as the creme de la creme as the number one. I was really more a team like Gonzaga, but reason why I didn't pick Gonzaga to win at all. As a matter of fact, I didn't pick Gonzaga to make the final four, despite them being my number one power ranked team going into the NCAA tournament last year is because they got a really terrible draw in the NCAA tournament. And unlike a sport like the NFL, unlike the NBA, it's very unclear as to how things are going to be getting seeded out. Because typically in the NFL, you have an idea of the path that a team like the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have to go through in order to get to the Super Bowl. A team like the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, there might be a little bit of uncertainty in terms of that AFC playoff picture, but it's not like you've got something completely random where if you're taking a look at like Arizona, who I would think would probably be a two seed today if they were to make the NCAA tournament, who knows if they would draw UConn, Houston, Purdue in the potential Elite Eight. Who knows if they draw a team like Duke in the Sweet 16. You've got 363 D1 teams. Matchups make fights, as they say in boxing. And when you typically have the top teams being able to win it all, but it's based on the top team that gets the best draw, that makes things very, very murky. And that's a big reason why I really don't encourage futures. Like I said, if you're looking to take some long shots, you have a good feeling that, you know what, a team like a West Virginia can be able to make the second week of the NCAA tournament. I see nothing wrong with that. I personally do not do it. And I mean, hey, if you think that there's great value on Houston at 7-1 to be able to win the NCAA tournament, don't let me stop you. If you've had success being able to bet the NCAA futures market, always, always trust in yourself. Always trust in your past track record. But I personally just do not dive into futures just because there is so much as based heavily on the draw. And this year, there's really no clear number one team. I would say that if I had to power rank it, UConn and Houston are my top two teams as of right now. But man, it is very murky because we could see Kentucky climb into the top four with a nice win over Missouri within the next few days. Arizona is a team that I've been pretty warm on. I would like to see them play a little bit more defense. So Kansas is starting to grow on me, but I want to see how they fare in Big 12 play. I mean, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered, and there's more questions than ever before with the transfer portal. So that's just my way of taking a look at things. Now let's take a look at just some of the teams that have been able to make you money and lose you money thus far. And I do think that it is important to note that something that I have found in the past is that a lot of your teams that they are very profitable in the non-conference slate, they have one of two ways of going about it when it comes to in-conference play. Either they just continue this and they are just white out throughout the entirety of the year, or they just completely hit a cooler. Like, I mean, we saw last year with Pacific going like 4-22-2 against the spread. They were just as cold as an igloo. UNC Wilmington was a really good cover team at nearly 80%. So you got one of two ways to be able to go about it. But these are all the teams that are covering at least 80% of games this far this season. And we're going to be seeing one of these teams actually on display 
on Tuesday. So you're going to get a little bit more analysis on them. But right now, your top team in terms of college basketball covering the spread, UConn, 11-1-1 against the spread. Their lone non-cover game against Georgetown. This team has been absolutely magnificent. Queens NC and Florida Atlantic, they're both 9-1 against the spread. I really like what I've seen out of both of them with NC Central clocking in 8-1-1. These are teams I've been backing quite a bit. I've really been growing very fond of Northwestern State, Kent State, and Yale. They're all 9-2 against the spread. And then these are the teams that are 8-2 against the spread. Utah Tech, SIU Edwardsville, Southern Miss, and James Madison. I think that you've got yourself four surprises there. For me, James Madison has been a team I've been backing quite a bit. Utah Tech, I still have my question marks with them, but they've been able to do a great job against the spread. And Southern Miss has been a team that I've been willing to back quite a bit aside from really a few random circumstances. And then if you're looking at your worst teams against the spread, a lot of these should not come as too much of a surprise. Tulsa being the worst team is a surprise. I mean, Tulsa's been bad, but... I didn't think it was as bad as 1-10 and 10 against the spread. Just a case of Tulsa has went a little bit more up-tempo with Tulsa playing a lot of games that have a little bit of tighter lines. Things get away from them a little bit late, so that's been tough. Oakland's been awful. Hartford's been awful. Notre Dame's been awful. Valparaiso's been awful. They're all 2-10 and 10 against the spread. And then your number two worst team in college basketball against the spread is Louisville, 2-11 against the spread. They really lent no reason whatsoever to back them. Now, if you're getting north of 20 like they were against NC State, then perhaps you start to consider it a little bit more. And that is something that you will find. You will find that some of these teams have become fades and some of these teams that they just night in and night out are getting destroyed. They start to have a little bit more value as the numbers go up. If you don't see an adjustment on a team like Louisville, if they continue to have these favorable numbers, you continue to bet against them. Meanwhile, if we see Notre Dame all of a sudden becoming a double-digit underdog time and time again, then you know what? There might be a little bit of value on them, but those are some of the top and bottom teams in terms of against the spread. And if you're looking at overs and unders, Toledo has been your best over team in all of college basketball. 11 overs and just one under. We're noticing that Toledo totals are now getting north of 160. And with Toledo, they're tremendous on offense. And they're tremendously awful on defense. They're a top 25 team in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. They play fast. They're outside the top 200 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. And usually with a lot of these teams are really good to the over and the under, you're going to notice that a lot of it is due to a little bit of a tempo shift. Like at nine overs and two unders, Navy, very good example of this. Navy last year was actually our number one team nationally. In terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis and true road games, that has reversed itself this season. Sometimes you just have teams that they play fast and the numbers aren't able to keep up with how fast they're playing. Like a UAB is also nine overs and two unders. Youngstown State, nine overs, two unders. These are two teams. And even last year, they were scoring quite a few points, but they're just scoring more this season. UT, uh, Rio Grande Valley, they've also been a good team to the over seven overs, one under and one push. That's just simply because they play fast and they play no defense. And I mean, the same can be really said for these three teams. San Diego, Denver, and Xavier, they're both 10 overs and 2 unders with Xavier. You're able to throw in their one push on their totals as well, but those have been some very good teams to the over, and then teams have been great to the under. Merrimack and Mississippi State, 11 unders and 1 over for both of them. Makes sense. Merrimack has absolutely no offense whatsoever. The defense, it's still relatively okay. And for Mississippi State, one of the top defenses on all of college basketball, they really don't have a lot of three-point shooting, so that makes sense. And then I was talking about how sometimes tempo shifts can really help you out in terms of finding a team that's very good to the over. Same goes the under. 
Nebraska was a top 10 team in terms of possessions per game last season. They have really throttled down as a result. Two overs, 10 unders, and a push. What you want to notice with Nebraska is whether or not these totals, they continue to go down or if they stay relatively stagnant. That tells you if this trend continues to have value. Brown and Boise State both have 10 unders and two overs. Both of these teams leave a little bit of something to be desired on offense. Both of these teams relatively solid on defense. And same can be said for these teams that all have nine unders and two overs as well. Kent State, Harvard, Iowa State. They all have been very good to the under this season as well. And I do think that that is something to point out. Now, I will caution you with this as well. Things can be a little bit reversed in terms of conference play. Like, throughout the years, I've always found that SEC overs have been very profitable just because you get a bunch of teams that they go super-duper up-tempo. And I'll notice a team like Arkansas, for instance. I know that in the past, they have played a lot of games that have gone under in non-conference play, and then they go over in conference play just because their defense is much more suffocating when they go up against a team like Lipscomb, North Dakota State, rather than, say, LSU, Tennessee, teams like that. So you do want to be taking a look at that. Don't blindly back these trends. And I do think that the biggest thing that you can do with regards to the teams I just listed is take a look to see if there is going to be a little bit of a line shift as well. If you notice that a team has been very good to the over, now instead of having to go over... 140 on average. You're not having to go over 143, 144. Might want to be starting to take a little bit of a look at that. And then Justin Perry is actually going to be joining this podcast tomorrow. In terms of some of these top and bottom teams against the spread, you want to be taking a look at some of their three-point shooting variants. If They've been getting a lot of open looks or not. Try to utilize your eyes as well. Looking at box scores, how they've been shooting overall is helpful, but just seeing, all right, has this team been really getting lucky on some of their shots, which could be difficult. Fortunately, you know, a little bit more time this week to do a little bit of catch-up work if you haven't been able to see all these teams in terms of some of their streams, in terms of some of their games, but trying to be able to gauge that. I do think it's very important for finding value and something that I am doing right now and I'm going to try to give you guys on this podcast here in the coming days and weeks. So that's a little bit of what we're seeing in college basketball, a little bit about why I don't really do a lot with features and some of the top and bottom teams that have been making you and losing you money thus far this season, depending upon which way you look at it. And coming up next right here on Coast Coast Hoops, We've got five games on the college basketball betting board for this Tuesday as we're going to be hitting bank shots side in total on all five of them next right here on Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Spears, and now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney Collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. 
It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility Dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for Coast Cup with myself, Greg Spears, and now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. One guest for you today. I know that so many of you are still celebrating the holidays, and hopefully you and yours are having a great holiday season. Christmas has come and passed, but I know that Boxing Day, I think, might be, if it wasn't yesterday, it's going to be today. I am not too familiar with Boxing Day, but I know that that's just after Christmas. I know that there are those of you out there that celebrate Kwanzaa, Hanukkah. You were celebrating Festivus last week. All holidays are welcome here on Coast to Coast Hoops. Hopefully you're just with family, you're with loved ones, you're enjoying the year, and as we know, it is going to be 2023 before we know it as well. So if you haven't been taking any too many holidays the past few days, hey, we've got a new year to be able to look forward to as well. So it's a very merry time of year. So hopefully all of you guys are doing well, and hopefully some of you are off of work, and some of you that aren't off of work, I salute you because... I try to be able to put in some work so that way you guys don't have to, but I know that there are many of you out there that you're nurses, you're doing some overnight trucking. I know that, heck, I've heard of farmers listening to this podcast before. I salute every one of you that is still putting in work during this holiday weekend. Much appreciation from someone that 
tries his best to be able to give you guys a fair effort every single day. So you guys are real MVPs, and hopefully I can be an MVP for your bankroll today. We have done our research on these five games, and now it is that time that I give you picks and analysis on all five of them as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRS41. We're going to be starting out with the Big East game first and then all the other games. They are extra games, so we're going to keep things all nice, clean, and easy. We're not going to give you a minute explanation on that. We'll just start with 601-602 on the board. Seton is on the road facing off against Marquette. Marquette's between a 7 and a 7.5 point favorite. Your total on this game, it is between 140 and a half. Was seeing a straight 141 before, but those seem to have dried up, and I did set my total at 139. I'm going to be taking a look at the 140 and a half slash 141 under. You've got a Marquette team that they do rank in the top 75 in terms of possessions per game, and it's not like Seton is necessarily really slow, but with Seton they've been able to do a solid job on defense, and they cannot take care of the ball to save their lives. This is a bunch that turning the ball over right around 15 and a half times per game. That is a little bit of an issue, especially going up against a Marquette team that they themselves rank in the top 65 in terms of turnovers forced on a per-possession basis. But what I do think is going to be able to keep seeing all in this game, a big reason why I set this number at 7 in terms of the spread. So at 7 and a half or more, I'm going to be willing to take the points with Seton Hall is that they do rank 34th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. They've got good length with someone like Casey Undefu, who's been able to give you right around 2.2 blocks, 4.5 boards, 8 points per game. Elamir Dawes and Dre Davis have been your main guys in the backcourt. They've been able to combine for about 21 points per game. Davis, he missed quite a bit of time towards non-conference play, but was able to return against Xavier. He should be good to go in this one. And Dawes, he's the team's top three-point shooter. He's shooting about 41.5% from distance. Now with Seton Hall, they only shoot about 30% from three-point range as collective. And Marquette, they're a solid three-point shooting team. 33.8% from three. Nothing great, nothing terrible. And it is going to be tough to match up with Tyler Kolick. 10 points, 7.5 assists, or right around 2.6 turnovers per game. Shoots 40% from three. David Joplin is able to shoot 46% from the outside. He's able to give you 11 points, but I do think that Seton Hall is going to be able to do a good job on the glass because with Marquette, you've only got one guy that's able to give you more than five rebounds per game. Also, Oguadero was able to give you 11.5 points, 6.5 boards, right around 1.7 blocks per game out of him as well. Cam Jones along with Olivier, Maximine, Prosper, they've been able to give you combined about 31 points. Prosper is able to give you about five boards per game as well, and relatively good depth when it comes to the Smartcat team, but you've got that with Seton Hall as well. Someone like Kadari Richmond, just a nice statue suffer. Three and a half assists, five boards, 10 points, shoots 39% from three-point range. You've been able to get a little bit out of Femi Otakala. Wasn't necessarily able to pan out at Pittsburgh, but he saw more minutes in that game against Xavier. Like what I saw, eight points, nine rebounds, four assists. I think that he could be an X-factor moving forward for the Seton Hall team that is able to go 8 plus deep and Seton Hall they be able to generate about 8 seals per contest I do think that both of these teams are going to be having lots of turnovers in this game I think both teams are going to struggle from 3 point range so I did set my total at 139 I'm willing to go under, Marquette is going to win the battle in terms of turnovers but I do think that Seton Hall holds up on the glass so anything north of 7, willing to take the points as well and now we're going to hit the extra games The normal betting board picks are complete but there are some extra games today so we go into the bonus. This starts with 306 785, 306 786. You've got Notre Dame, and they're going to be playing against Jacksonville. 
Jacksonville's an 8.5 point underdog. Total on this game is anywhere between 129 and 130. Mentioned it in the first segment. Notre Dame has been one of your worst cover teams at all of college basketball. 2 at 10 against the spread, and I don't think it gets any better here. I set Notre Dame as an 8 point favorite, so 8.5 or more, I'm going to be willing to take the points with Jacksonville. Jacksonville does have one main scorer that should be able to keep them in this game, KV on Nolan. 14.5 points, a little bit over four boards, four and a half assists, 1.3 seals per game on 35.5% three point shooting. And Jacksonville as a whole, they're shooting 36% from distance. Now, the one thing that you are concerned with with Jacksonville is that they're one of the better mid major defenses in all of college basketball last season. They ran currently 196th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, but they're allowing about 6.2 points fewer per 100 possessions when they're away from home rather than when they are at home. So I do find that to be very intriguing. And they've got a lot of guys down low that are able to help hit the glass as Mike Marsh along with Jordan Davis, Osei Osifu. They're all giving you between five and six rebounds per game. Omar Payne, he's been able to give you four and a half boards per game when he has been out there. It's been a little bit banged up, but was able to return on a little bit of a limited basis just before Christmas. So that helps out Jacksonville as well. Meanwhile, for Notre Dame, they were able to get back into the full Marcus Hammond the last few games. He's been able to give the team right around five points per game. Comes in from Niagara, where he was a really nice set sheet suffering. He gives Notre Dame just another good three-point shooter. As Notre Dame as a whole, they shoot 39% from three. They turn the ball over nine times per game. They're one of your more efficient offenses in all of college basketball. And it's really a battle of strength on strength. Notre Dame, they're efficient on offense, but in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, they're 306. Meanwhile, Jacksonville typically has some struggles on offense. And, I mean, 12.3 turnovers per game does not sound bad at all, but you have to take into account that these are two of the biggest slugs that you're going to find in all of college basketball. Among your 363 D1 teams, Jacksonville is 359th in terms of possessions per game. Notre Dame is 350th. So, I mean, these two teams are as slow as molasses. That really needs to be taken into account, in my opinion. And as a big reason why I did some, I told 125. I do think that Jacksonville is going to be able to hold up on the glass. I do think that they're going to be able to get a little bit of scoring on Jordan Davis as well. I mentioned he's averaging right around six boards, nearly three assists per contest, stealing half per game. He's been able to do a nice job with nine plus points in four of the team's last five games. For Notre Dame, Nate Lashevsky should be able to do a solid job down low. Six foot ten, versatile player that gives you 15 points, eight boards, bombing it at 43% from three in Notre Dame. They're going to be able to protect the ball, in my opinion. J.J. Starlin, he's been able to emerge for the team mid-30 three-point shooter, but for Mr. Starlin, he's been able to put up 12-plus points in each of the last four games, has shot at least 40% from three in each of the last three. He's starting to come of age for the team. Help out Trey Wirtz, who's been the main facilitator with four assists per game, but I do like the toughness that Jacksonville has down low. I do think that Jacksonville is going to be able to do a solid job of denying the three-point arc as well, and you take a look at the way that Jacksonville is coming into this game. They have allowed 63 points or fewer in four of their last five games, and it's a Notre Dame offense that has been struggling a little bit, scoring 64 or fewer in three out of their last five games. So I set my total at 125, looking under with two of the slowest teams at all of college basketball in Notre Dame. I make them an eight-point favorite, so we'll take the eight and a half with Jacksonville. 306 This is going to be the DK Nation pick. Northwestern State on the road facing up against Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a favorite of 17 to 17 and a half points. Your total is anywhere between 146 and 147. And the right up here is going to be on Northwestern State. I set them as a 13-point underdog. And I really do like what I've seen of this Northwestern State team. They've got good camaraderie because you notice that with the new coaching staff and Mr. Gibson coming over from Missouri State, he brought with them three players that he was coaching as an assistant at Missouri State. And Isaac Haney, 
Jamonta Black, and Demarcus Sharp. These three guys, they've been able to combine for right around 42 points. They combine to be able to give you nearly eight assists and about five steals per game. These guys have been absolutely magnificent with Sharp shooting over 55% from three-point range. I mean, all three of these guys that give you at least 12.4 points and 1.4 steals per game apiece. And then down low, you've got a nice guy in Dane Prim who's able to give you some versatility. He's a forward that's able to pop three. He's currently at a 60% clip. I don't think that that's necessarily sustainable. And he's been dealing a little bit with an injury as well. So that's something to take note of. He's been able to get back in the fold a little bit. But I mean, these guys have been able to do an amazing job for this team. I do expect Prim to probably go, but in a little bit more of a limited basis for this team. And for Northwestern State, as a whole, they've been able to do a nice job of taking care of the ball. They rank in the top 35 nationally in terms of fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis. And they go up against the Texas A&M defense that they rank 149th nationally in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Now they have to go up against the Northwestern State team that has scored at least 69 points in now 7 out of their last 8 games. And for Texas A&M, they do have that one takeover scorer in Wade Taylor the 4th. 16 points, 3.5 assists, 2.5 steals per game. I like his game at Texas A&M. They do rip the ball away a little bit, 8.7 steals per game. They shoot about 33% from 3-point range. And it's really a whole is greater than the sum of its parts approach when it comes to rebounding as you got Julius Marble, Dexter Dennis, Tyrese Radford, Henry Coleman the third. They're all averaging between 4.1 and 5.2 rebounds per game. And they all give you between 7.5 and about 10.8 points per game. So you've got a lot of balance with this Texas A&M team. And other than Taylor, you don't necessarily have that go-to guy with A&M. I expected a little bit more from the defensive side of things from them. And they are coming off of a loss as a double-digit favorite against Wofford just before Christmas. I do take a little bit of something into that. With Northwestern State, they've already gotten a very nice win over TCU. And it's a Northwestern State squad that is going up against a Texas A&M defense that they have not denied the three all season long. Texas A&M 282nd in the country in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage. With the way that you've got this trio of guards for Northwestern State, I think that is going to be able to keep them very lively in this game. I don't think that Northwestern State is going to be able to pull off another double-digit outright upset, but I certainly think that they're going to be hanging in there. My write-up, that is going to be on Northwestern State getting the points. I did set my total 141. You've got a Texas A&M team as a little bit more of a mid-tempo team, and I do think that A&M is going to tighten up the screws a little bit more on this defense. And for Northwestern State, we did see them get held down to 48 points against Baylor, obviously. That's more against a very, very good Baylor team, but also with the Texas A&M team. They've been a little bit hot and cold with their offense scoring 72 points or fewer in three at their last four games. So looking under, right up, that is going to be taking the points with Northwestern State. 306-789, 306-790. And at Texas Tech, they're going to be playing us to South Carolina State. South Carolina State, and we're between a 29 and a 30 point underdog. And your total on scheme, it is 148. 30 is the minimum buy point with South Carolina State. And I'm seeing a 28 and a half on the board now as well. And at 28 and a half, I certainly would be willing to lay the points with Texas Tech. The South Carolina State team is legitimately a bottom 15 team in all of college basketball. For Texas Tech, the offense, it has been. Well, a little bit brutal, but you know exactly what you're going to be able to get out of this defense. That is always a constant with regards to the last two coaching regimes that we've seen at Texas Tech. The Red Raiders, they're 10th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, and they should completely dominate down low. 
Daniel Pacho has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, but was able to suit it up against Houston Christian. He had a double-double in 22 minutes, so he looks to be just fine in Kevin O'Banner. He thus far this season has averaged 16 points, 6 boards, 2 and a half per contest. Shooting in the mid-30s from 3-point range, I do expect that to go northward. And say Texas X squad that, despite their 14 turnovers per game, they've still been able to generate something on offense because they do shoot a little bit over 35% from 3-point range, despite the fact that Davion Armand has been cold this year, shooting 25% from 3, but still has been able to give the team 2 steals, 4 assists, 12 points per game. You've now got back the fulls, someone like a Jalen Tyson, who he was a little bit banged up in 23 minutes in their most recent game against Houston Christian, 11 points, 5 assists, so he looks to be good to go, and he's gotten a little bit of rest as well. Could use more out of guys like Kerwin Walton and Kelton Pitty, but still have good depth with this team, and for South Carolina State, we've seen them time and time again go out there against teams that, let's call it what it is, they've got them outgunned, and well, they have been really showing to not be too terrific. They gave up 105 points to Wake Forest. They gave up 90 points to Western Kentucky. They gave up 106 points to Kentucky. They gave up 96 points to Duquesne. Shall we go down the list? Spirited effort against South Carolina, but as we know, South Carolina officially stinks. They really need Luson Holmes to be able to help them out, but he has not played since December 3rd, and it looks like he's probably not going to be good to go on this one, and that has led to some sporadicness in terms of this roster. As you do have something like a Rayshon Evans, he's able to give you 9 points per game, but he shoots 29% from 3 for a team that they shoot as a collective. 29.1% from distance. Really, your lone guy is shooting above 31% from 3 that gets meaningful minutes. Raekwon Brown, 41% from distance, 7.5 points, 4.5 boards. This is a 6'3". A little bit of a do-it-all bruiser guard, and then you've been able to get a little bit of facilitation right around 2.5 assists out of Rakeem Gary, who's shooting about 30.5% from 3-point range, 70-plus points in each of the last three games. He's been able to progress, but for South Carolina State, been just a horse apiece situation for them in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. I was just mentioning uh, Texas Tech has been very good in that category. Well, we've got our good friend South Carolina State 361st out of 363 D1 teams. When you compound that with the fact that they are 30th in the country in terms of possessions per game, a little bit of a doomsday scenario there. Now, I did set my total at 145.5. I do think that Texas Tech is just going to be able to swarm to a South Carolina State team that Call what it is, they really don't have a lot of size. You've got one guy giving you more than 4.6 rebounds per game. That would be Mr. Davion Everett, and I think the South Carolina State really going to struggle to put the ball in the basket as a result. Did set Texas Tech as a 29.5 point favorite. At 29 or less, I'm willing to lay it. Semi-total at 145.5, so also going under, and we're going to have things up with 306, 791, 306, 792, Texas. They are back to being a big favorite against Texas A&M Commerce. Commerce is between a 28.5 and a 30-point underdog. Totals between 140 and 141, and with Texas, set them as a 30.5 point favorite. I do do think that they're starting to finally get past this whole Chris Beard ordeal and prior to the Chris Beard ordeal, Texas was doing a really good job of just crushing teams into oblivion and I think that they really need that game against Louisiana just before Christmas as they were able to put up 100 points in that game. They looked rock solid on defense. They looked rock solid on offense and you've right now got a Texas bunch that is really being carried by their main two guards in Marcus Carr and 
Tyrese Hunter, and they need them to continue to be rock solid in terms of their outside shooting because this is a team that, as a whole, they shoot about 32.5% from three-point range to two in Car and Hunter. They've been able to combine to shoot right in that neighborhood about 35.5% to 36% from three-point range. Hunter is able to give you 12 points, three assists per game. Car, a little bit over four assists, two seals, 15.5 points per contest, and then everyone from there mixes and matches. Timmy Allen, Alonzo Mitchell, they combine for 17.5 points. Right around 11.5 boards, you're able to get a steal per game out of Mitchell, nearly a block per contest out of Allen. These guys have been terrific. You've been able to get a little bit of outside shooting along with about four rebounds per game out of Brock Cunningham, who's a nice six foot six combo player. And you just don't have anyone for Texas A&M Commerce that's able to match up. Texas A&M Commerce has actually had some triumphs this season. They go on the road, they knock off Hawaii. They actually had a very nice win as well when they were a pretty sizable underdog against Eastern Kentucky as well. They've been able to play a spirited effort against Air Force, beating them in overtime, but it feels like in December, the wheels have just fallen off for them. C.J. Roberts needs to be at Lamar. has been able to give you 10.5 points, 2.5 assists per game, and for Texas A&M Commerce, this is not a team that's looking to play a run-and-shoot style by any stretch of the imagination of your 363 D1 teams. They're currently ranked about 213th in terms of total possessions per game, and it's a Commerce team that is very much reliant upon hanging their head on defense, and currently they are 256th in the country. In terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, Texas, they are currently 7th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but Texas, they're looking to run it. They're really getting their offense online as well. As for Texas, they have scored at least 72 points in each of their last five games. Meanwhile, you've got a Commerce team that they have been all the 68 or fewer in each of their last three. Meanwhile, they've given up at least 83 in four of their last five, and the lone exception was IUPUI, better known as good old Ewe Pewee, so that's not too terrific. I did set my total at 138.5. I do think that Texas is going to be able to rain down on defense, and I do think that Texas has found their mojo once again. I do think that they've been able to put their Chris Beard stuff aside, and I do think that they're now finding some sort of a just equilibrium with Rodney Terry and company, the gentleman that have been taking over for Chris Beard, and I think that they're going to want to put on an impressive display going into conference play. Want to lay up to 30 with Texas semi total 138 and a half. So also taking a look at this total under, and that will wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of Coast to Coast Soups. Now part of the Veasan Family Podcast. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season on this podcast. And you're coming at you like a mouth. Thank you so much for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 